Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Martin Popoff here back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcasts uh, at pantheonpodcast.com. The Pantheon Podcast Network, enthusiastic as always to be part of the team. We had a great Zoom meeting the other day, lots of great stuff coming down the uh, pipes for Pantheon. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This uh, episode's going to be a fun one, so listen up. This is actually a really kind of cool thing that I wanted to address. There's a, there's a lot of interesting uh, angles to look at this. Um, this episode came to me as I was jogging around um, Toronto. And you know what? I can't say this because I want to, <laughs> I want to uh, sort of save it for uh, when we get to the first song. So I'm not going to tell you how this came up. But uh, we are going to be calling this one. Uh, so this is episode 62. We're going to be calling it Problem with Top New Wave of British Heavy Metal or Problem with Top New Wabam. Um, I was going to call it Problems, but then it became a mouthful and it didn't rhyme as good. So let's call this Problem with Top New Wabam. Now, so last night, um, kind of the way I wanted to look at this came up with a certain band I was listening to on my uh, iPod Classic. I've got two of them with uh, 5,000 albums on each of them, stuffed full that I moved back and forth. I was out jogging, but again, I'm not going to tell you what the band is. Um, but the other reason this came up is because I've been going on regularly um, Pete Pardo's uh, Awesome Sea of Tranquility YouTube show, and uh, in about four days, I think it is, I'm going to be going on his show, and we're going to be counting down our favorite top uh, 10 each New Wave of British Heavy Metal albums. Okay, fair enough. Um, but then there's a big problem with that couple problems with that, and I'm going to tell you three problems with that. Um, but as a little more background, I want to tell you that I also, um, you know, years ago I did this really cool, um, I call it cool because, um, you know, Pete laid it out really nice. It was a one-page article. Pat Prince laid it out really nice, um, my editor at Goldmine. Uh, this was a, um, uh, basically I did the top 25 
new album albums and and he like had the graphic for each one he fit it all on one page and i wrote little explanations so fair enough that wasn't too hard to do but the problem we're going to talk about today makes doing the top 10 hard to do and i'm going to get to that so um but let's let's outline the other two problems with ranking your top again this is about albums okay so uh, about ranking your top new wave of British heavy metal albums. There's three problems I see with uh, coming up with a ranking like this. Um, so let's talk about the two that aren't really going to be part of this episode. One of them is, where does the new wave of British heavy metal start and where does it end? The start date is a little more clear. Um, we look at, you know, essentially uh, early 1980, but you have to make a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of a, you know, a, a qualification for the likes of um, Saxon's first album and Samson's first album and uh, whether or not you include Motorhead, which is part of our second problem. Um, but yeah, so the the big problem with, uh, with the idea of, um, you know, ranking your top, however, New Wave of British Heavy Metal albums is, where does it end? Um, you know, if you're Quite a bit, a bit of a music snob, say, and then that this this term is going to come up a little more in this episode because our third problem has a lot to do with music snobdom. Um, so if you're a little bit of a music snob, like say you're from the UK and you're looking at punk and you consider yourself a great punker and all this stuff, and they they say you know oh punk died when Clash signed to CBS, which, which is like you know mid or early 1977 or something like that, right? I think the album comes out late 77, but um, you know, so so there's this idea like where does punk end, right? Well, you can do the same thing with New Wave of British Heavy Metal. I did a trilogy of books. All of them are available still at martinpopoff.com. One of them is called Smokin' Valves, A Headbanger's Guide to 900 New Wave of British Heavy Metal Records. Uh, records meaning albums and singles. And then the other two are are, are timeline books. So there's this trilogy of this, these New Wave of British Heavy Metal books. But the last of the trilogy, I ended at the end of 1984. What do you guys think? Is that too late? Uh, do you think the new wave of British heavy metal is is over at that point? Um, you know, so, some might say the end of 1983, and then if you want to be a real music snob about it, you probably only include 1980 and 1981 and 1982. Maybe some, I don't know, maybe some people even rule out 1982. I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, but no, I've always considered it essentially, um, there's, there's this lead up to it, uh, with with just these these little you know unremarkable uh, stragglers more or less other than the uh, the Motorhead albums in '79 uh, Overkill and Bomber, um, but so so I I like that idea of you know metal for mothers and the tour and all that stuff February 1980 boom you you basically start off a new decade right at the beginning of the year with the new wave of British heavy metal so very tidy um, but the end uh, is is a little harder to uh, to determine okay. So the next problem, uh, the second problem, again, that's not part of this episode, um, but where do you put, you know, which bands uh, belong? There are a few problem bands, and we even had an episode back, um, episode 11, I think I called it Honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal, and these were the bands from Britain, because you could even have an Honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands who aren't from Britain. Um, you know, that's obviously a little less, uh, less you know, can, can be in this, because it's got British in the tag name, right? Um, but 
the honorary bands, um, you know, the two most contentious ones have always been Motorhead and Gillen, I think. Um, a lot of people think Motorhead doesn't have the sound. They came in too early. Lemmy, you know, his recording career goes back to Sam Gopal, and I think it's 1970, and then Hawkwind. Um, and the other two guys, you know, Fast Eddie's a little bit of an older guy. So whatever. So a lot of people don't think Motorhead belongs. I totally think they belong and very, very deeply belong. Like, they're one of the top bands of the whole thing. Same with Gillen. I've always thought Gillen belonged because, you know, they're basically, you know, their lifespan was essentially the the time of the New Wave British Heavy Metal. I know they had the 78 album, but I mean, they, they were over in 83. They packed in all these singles and albums, blah, blah, blah. I won't go into it because, you know, there's a whole episode of that. You can go listen to it. Um, Fastway, you know, I've, I've had people bring up with me recently, um, does Fastway belong in the new wave of British heavy metal? Um, you got Fast Eddie in there and a bunch of old guys and they're signed to a major label and it sounds like a, like a great big American album. What a great album, that debut. Uh, and it's late, it's 1983. So, you know, can you do that? And then I've had, you know, people... You know, a lot of people will throw Priest into the new wave of British heavy metal, which I totally will not, um, because they go back to 1969. Uh, and then I've also even argued at times, you know, can can you put in a new act like the Ozzy Osbourne band into this? And I say no, um, because obviously, you know, their their chief music writer is uh, is American. Um, Bob Daisley is old and Australian, and Lee Kerslake is old but British, and Ozzy is. Uh, is old. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess not, right? But, you know, they, they, they stormed the metal scene in 80 and 81, blah, blah, blah. They do have UK singles and 12 inches and picture sleeves and all that. So so I always think of that stuff as, as being part of the new wave of British heavy metal. But moving on, our third problem is uh, is going to be illustrated uh, by after, after we talk about uh, this first song that we're going to play. So let's play this first song and we'll start the discussion. Uh, take a listen. This is Def Leppard with No, No, No. All right, so here's our big problem um, with, uh, and the problem we're discussing with ranking your top new wave of British heavy metal albums. Um, Def Leppard, not so much because, so this isn't about Joe Elliott um, crapping all over heavy metal and saying we were never a new wave of British heavy metal band and we're as great as Queen and Led Zeppelin. Huge joke. It's ridiculous um, because I think Def Leppard get really, really bad really fast. Um, putting that aside, though, um, you know, the first record totally, totally, you know, bisect all the lines. That record sits right the heck in the middle of what a new wave of British heavy metal album could sound like. Um there's there's nothing there's nothing eccentric about it. There there's nothing odd about it that would take it out of the new wave of British heavy metal. Okay, the only thing really is it's super well done, and it's also on a major label that is not one of the new wave of British heavy metal you know uh, signature major labels. Obviously, there's a bunch of indie stuff, small labels, but EMI and MCA are pretty good participants in this genre, right? Um, so it's not so much that. 
Uh, I played you a song off of High and Dry because that's the that's the disc, or not disc, but that was the files I was playing while jogging around Toronto last night. And I was just floored over again how awesome that album is, how in, in, incredibly heavy and well done and everything that album is. Um, so, okay, so I'm going to leave it right there and I'm going to finish this thought of why this is a big problem after we play the second selection. Let's do it that way. So let's move on. Our second selection here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is Iron Maiden with The Prisoner. All right, so there you go. Iron Maiden from the uh, third album, The Number of the Beast. And here is our problem. So we've talked about where does the New Wave British Heavy Metal start and end. We talked about which bands belong, um, Motorhead, Gill, and Fastway. Um, Now, Def Leppard, as I just discussed, and Iron Maiden, you wouldn't necessarily say they don't belong based on their Britishness or their music or any of that. Uh, they, they live in Britain. They're all British people. The music is pretty squarely New Wave British Heavy Metal. You can argue that High and Dry moves away from it a little bit. But here is our problem. Okay, so when I had to do a list of 25, this wasn't as big a problem. Now that I have to go on Pete's show and do a list of 10, here's the problem. If you are not a music snob and you are approaching this as how good are these albums... It would not be out of the question to have your top 10 New Wave of British Heavy Metal albums be two Def Leppard albums and four Iron Maiden albums at the very top of the list. So there's your problem. Do you make a list of top 10 New Wave of British Heavy Metal albums that uh, in descending order, uh, let's let's pick an order. So let's say... Um, Let's, well, no, let's do it from ascending. That's a little easier to do, uh, you know, in your head here. So let's say uh, the, the complete non-music snob version, I mean, one version of this that, that could be a completely valid version of what are the top new wave of British heavy metal albums might go, um, peace of mind, high and dry, killers, number of the beast, on through the night, Iron Maiden. And I believe that is, yeah, one, two, three, that's six slots, the top six slots out of 10 slots of top new wave of British heavy metal albums. So there's the problem I have uh, when I go on Pete's show, and I have to figure out how I'm going to do this. Um, Because, uh, you know, people might, the music snob part of it says, oh no, you got to pick pure, obscure. See, this is the thing. The music snob thing happens in heavy metal, you know, on a much earlier thing when people rave about Captain Beyond and Sir Lord Baltimore and Bang and all this. Totally forgetting that every Uri Heap album of the era and Black Sabbath and Deep Purple album completely craps all over all those records from a height of several miles, right? So that's kind of the problem we've got here. Now, my last slots, I'm going to give you uh, three examples of what I think can complete completely compete 
with these records. But I wouldn't say necessarily that any of them are any better than the four Iron Maiden albums, 1980, 81, 82, and 83, and the two Def Leppard albums, 80 and 81, that, that one could put in their list. So, you know, why do we not want them in the list? Well, we know the Joe Elliott thing a little bit. Like, he's, he's a, he, you know, he, he kind of disowns those records in a way, and he disowns heavy metal in a way. So, so us, as angry metalheads, we don't like that. Um, but Iron Maiden, there's no real reason to leave them out other than, um, other than you know, they just got super big and famous, right? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't move out of the UK. Uh, I mean, sure, their records were very readily and quickly uh, distributed in the in the US and worldwide, and that's another thing about new wave British heavy metal bands. A lot of these albums did not even get released in the states, so they so they definitely remain cottage industries, right? Um, and there's certain things about the new wave of British heavy metal sound that if you were to be a purist about it, let's let's use a positive term and not music snob, if you were to be a purist about it, um, you might say that it has to be uh, a little more DIY and it has to be a little loose bolted and punky and maybe the production isn't good. Maybe you need, uh, what else? Um, well, that, that's really about it, because I was going to say five-man lineup, but I mean, these are all five-man lineups anyways, right? Um, there's no keyboardist in the band. I mean, some New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands have keyboardists, and keyboards are allowed in New Wave of British Heavy Metal. But, you know, I would say the first Iron Maiden album is quintessentially uh, everything I just said. The first Def Leppard album, not so much. I mean, because it is just a little more well-recorded. Tom Allen produced it. They're already on a major label. It sounds pretty expensive and plush. But other than that, the songwriting is squarely pure new wave of British heavy metal. Now, High and Dry, we know, kind of moves away a little bit. But it is 1981 by a British band, by a bunch of young kids, British band. Um, and they're not moving away anytime soon. So, uh, So basically... Uh, you know, you could call that one a little bit of a, you know, how, how say, new wave of British heavy metal bands or, the, you know, the spokes of a wheel go off, like in most genres. But right in the middle of the spoke, you could have On Through the Night pretty pretty saliently. But maybe maybe High and Dry is a little bit off the spoke because of its, um, you know, American stadium rock thing, that little bit of ACDC to it or whatever, right? We're into Mutt Lang. This is Mutt Lang before he becomes a perfectionist. But... You know, here, to even throw more of a uh, monkey wrench into things, what if, uh, you know, you if, if you totally believe that Def Leppard belongs and, you know, uh, the new wave of British heavy metal doesn't end until 1984, then, then why not put Def Leppard's Pyromania into this, 1983? I mean, we're talking strictly about, like, I think it's a pretty good album, but if, if we're talking strictly, um, you know, great albumness, I mean, that's a, that's a way past Diamond album. It's considered a groundbreaking album for its production. It's got great songs. Um, there's, not, there's not a lot not to like on that album. Again, it's moving a little more away from the sound, but hey, you know, may, maybe the absolute complete non-music snob the non-ego who has to make a list of top top 10 new wave of british heavy metal albums might have seven slots taken up by iron maiden and, and def leppard i mean imagine that eh imagine if that was your list so pretty crazy um so anyways um let's take a short break and we'll be right back and we'll look at uh our last three selections 
All right, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is Problem with Top New Wabam, or Problem with Top New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Um, so I said that I was going to end off with um, three uh, examples of records that can compete with all those Def Leppard and Iron Maiden albums that I would, you know, with, you know, truly going with my heart that I, that, that would go on my list of, of top 10 anyways. Um, so take a listen to this one. This is Quartz with Stand Up and Fight. Brother Okay, now Quartz is a funny example because um, they do actually go back. They're from Birmingham. Their first album is 1977. They're kind of older guys. They were they were called Bandy Legs before. The first couple of albums they have they have that earlier album, and then they have a live album. And there's some great you know new wabam across those records, but or let's say late 70s you know modern enough heavy metal. But um, but they don't really get going until this MCA, the first album for MCA, Stand Up and Fight. And this thing is exquisitely recorded. Every single song is great on it, or good at least. Um, but but this, this Stand Up and Fight, what a great anthem. Charlie Snow is amazing on here. Um, it, just the whole thing is um, just super. Um, the whole thing's heavy. Number one, Wildfire is that is the really crazy heavy one that sounds a little bit like megalomania. They got a little bit of a stick for that, but um, essentially, this is a great, solid new wave of British heavy metal album, start to finish, chock full of riffs, beautifully recorded, sounds super expensive, and it's the only time they would do this because the next album um, they would be bounced back down to a minor label and um it, it wouldn't it's called against all odds and it would be really quite roughly recorded and, and even a whole different sound so they would only do this once but there you go so there's one that uh will be on my list for for even top 10 a uh, new wave of british heavy metal albums um okay let's go to our next one um okay selection number four here we go angel witch with angel of death So here's another one that you cannot leave off a list like this. Um, this this is probably even better. You know how we talk about Iron Maiden versus Angel, which this is actually a better album than the first Iron Maiden album. It might not be a better album than Killers, but I, I consider it a better album than the first Maiden. Um, they're on EMI as well, just like Maiden. It's got the the, the crazy you know old painting of Hell uh, album cover. Doomy, super, super heavy, really smart riffs out of Kevin Hayborn, um, you know, Dave Hogg's drumming on there, Kevin Riddles on bass, what a great guy he is. Um, 
so yeah, really cool band, just a trio make, making a monstrous huge noise, uh, an absolute drop dead classic, 1980, so it's it's out of your very first year for this. Unfortunately, they would break up and not come back for, for like years later, I think it's 1985, uh, the next album, Screaming and Bleeding and Frontal Assault. By the way, I mean, they're, they're the, the two modern era albums that Kevin has put together with a new lineup are absolute heavy metal classics, check them out. Um, but yeah, so this absolutely would be on my list as well um okay let's move on uh this is uh this is track number five uh this is more with traitor's gate All right, so here's another band that um, I don't I don't particularly like their first album Warhead very much. That had Paul Mario Day singing on it, who used to be one of the early singers for Iron Maiden. Um, kind of a boring album, uh, but this album, their second and last, Blood and Thunder, 1982. They're on Atco, which is a major label. Absolutely, start to finish, molten, molten riffs. Kenny Cox, leader of the band, great. Um, uh, lead singer can't remember his name right now but he had short hair he looked like graham bonnet a little bit just this howling cool voice uh but every song sounded like super heavy accomplished stadium rock like this record is an absolute masterpiece start to finish i can't believe they were not a bigger band it, obviously other things were going on but on the strength of just the record i mean this is they're actually uh, further down the line to stardom than Iron Maiden at Blood and Thunder in 1982. I mean, this is this is probably a more likely to be a massive U.S. hit record than even Number of the Beast. Although Number of the Beast had has its gaudiness and showiness and and things, right, and a lot of personality and stuff, right. But this record, in terms of just being a massive, awesome, uh, but super heavy stadium rock record, like really great drumming on it, great production. Um, so there you go. So there's there's three that would be on my list, uh, whatever kind of list. I mean, chances are when I go on Pete's show, I'm going to compromise this a little bit, right? And then when I compromise, I'm kind of cheating a little, right? Because, you know, that that when you put on that A&R, artist and repertoire hat, um, and you look at these albums in the cold light of day, like say it was up to you to sign these bands based on this music, you probably would pick, you know, you probably would pick three Def Leppard albums and four Iron Maiden albums out if, if you had 10 albums to pick. That's that's how crazy this, uh, you know, making this list is. And I just wanted to mention another couple of honorable mentions um, that I, I would you know, that would or could put on a list like this. Uh, Savage, Loose and Lethal, 19, 1983. Saxon, Power and the Glory, 1983. I just read another review of that that said it was uh, poppy and American sounding. I don't know where people get this. It's almost like somebody gave me the wrong Saxon album that doesn't even exist. Or it's like this big cosmic joke. But I keep hearing people calling that album you know, accessible and a move to, it's, it's their least accessible album. It's so heavy. Um, I, I just love it. Um, 
Raven all for one. I could put on a list. Um, Samson, I could go with either man, either of the um, basically shock tactics or the or the first two with uh, with what's his name. Um, I can't remember. I, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, I probably wouldn't though. You know, here here's where you get to the purest part of it. Um, in in a list of ten, should you put that first Diamond Head album? Should you put that first Tigers of Pantang or the second or Crazy Nights? Should you put a Witchfinder General album? I mean, you know, to me, the best one's the second one, Friends of Hell, but it is late. It's a little off sound. It's 1983. Um, it's it's certainly, you know, it's probably the first true Doom album of all time outside of Sabbath and if you discount Angel Witch. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't put the first Holocaust in a list of 10. I certainly wouldn't put anything by Witchfind. I wouldn't put either of the Fist albums. So there's a lot of stuff I think I could, li- I, you know, you have to leave off uh, a list of 10 if you're being, you know, disciplined about the whole thing. So there you go. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I'd like to hear your list of 10. Uh, that would be really cool to see uh, if you want to go to our Facebook page and uh, and put that on there. So that's it for History in 5 Songs with Martin Popoff for this week. If you liked this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi uh, at uh, ko-fi, uh, as in coffee or Kofi, uh, ko-fi.com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit the red support button, and as they say over there, buy me a cup of coffee. Um, and on that front, I want to thank Melissa Nee, Kevin Julie, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Bruce Campbell for their kind support of this show. Um, for all your book needs, of course, you can go to martinpopoff.com. Like I say, I do have the trilogy of these New Wave of British Heavy Metal books for sale. Um, I've got the two maidens are available, the two priests, the two UFOs, all four deep, no, not all four deep purples. Don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, the Merciful, uh, what else? Um, the Bluish Occult Visual History, still got a few of those. Our Visual Biography, whatever it's called, still got a few of those left. That's the big Bluish Occult Coffee Table book. So that's martinpopoff.com. PayPal button's there. I sign them all, ship them out of the office. Um, yeah, dying to see what, uh, what you would pick uh, for a list. Um, so maybe when this comes out, if you could post uh, at, uh, at the Facebook page for this. Uh, interesting to see how much Maiden and how much Def Leppard you would put on your list and why or why not. There you go. Talk to you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. Unlock big savings during the Menards Bag Sale at Style and Security with Schlag Lock Sets. Menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets. And with Schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks, there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies. Save big money on Schlag Lock Sets. Plus, save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save big money at Menards. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 